Welcome to the Family Worship Center Sermon of the Week. We hope you enjoy the following message from Pastor Ray Kirkland. I want to start this morning out of the book of Psalms. We've got uh, a lot of text today, but it's, it's important. So I just want you to follow along. It says in Psalms 110 verse 1, The Lord said to my Lord, Sit at my right hand till I make your enemies your footstool. The Lord shall send the rod of your strength out of Zion. Rule in the midst of your enemies. Your people shall be volunteers in the day of your power. In the beauty of holiness, from the womb of the morning, you have the dew of your youth. Now, our Bible teaches us, and we understand that God is not limited by calendars. He doesn't really care about a calendar. He can step in and out of time as he wills because he functions in eternity. But we also know at the same time that he moves in seasons and he moves in time. And sometimes he'll invade a calendar. Can somebody say amen? If you're new today, a little help to get you out of here before the Baptists get to the restaurant, you just say amen a whole lot. (laughs) Okay, that's the way it works to me. The more amens, the faster I preach. The less amens, I just keep on working it. (laughs) They're already amen. I haven't said nothing yet. (laughs) You know, a marvel to me. I've always enjoyed typologies, and I've always enjoyed shadows in the Bible and and numbers. uh, Numbers are always an interesting thing to me. Numbers in the Bible all have a meaning. There was a reason Jesus caught or told the story of them catching 153 fish. Because at that time, there was 153 nations. Okay, there's always a reason for numbers in the Bible. Now God is, stands for the number one. That's the one. One is the number of God things, okay? One Lord, one God, one baptism, one faith. The Bible says one God and Father of all and through all and in you all. El, El Shalom, El Shaddai. These, the word El is one. It means God, one. None before, none beside, or none after. One is the number of God. Now two is the number of, of covenant, and three is the number of completion. Completion is uh, divine perfection, trinity, power, breakthrough. The first geono- uh, geometrical number or figure is, 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 is the number three. There's three dimensions. There's length. There's breadth. There's height. There's three divisions of time. There's past. There's present. There's future. In the third hour, Jesus was crucified. On the third day, he rose from the dead. God has many attributes that are divinely linked to the number three. Omnipotent, omnipresent, omnipotent. He's the Father, Son, and Holy Ghost. Body, soul, and spirit. Prophet, priest, and king. So many of his attributes are connected to that number. And you'll find throughout the Bible that number is very relevant. And you'll find in the tabernacle, for for example, there's an inner court. There's an outer court. and There's a Holy of Holies. And so you find that. Now seven in the Bible is another interesting number. It's the number of spiritual perfection, of wholeness in regards to man. Seven completes the numbers of the rainbow. Seven completes the colors of the spectrum. Seven seven satisfies the notes on a music scale. There are seven churches listed in Revelation. Seven seals, seven trumpets, seven mysteries. The golden candlestick had six candlesticks for man, one stem for God. So the light of God's people in the world 
comes from there. We, we are that light. Our light's source is divine. We shine the light, but the source is divine. And the list could go on and on and on. The number seven, I could just go 30 minutes on that throughout the scripture. But I wanted to take a moment and just look at the number 2017. That's the year we're in. 2017. 20 is the number of expectancy. Jacob waited 20 years for the possession of his two wives and all of his goods. Israel waited 20 years for deliverance from Samson. The Ark of the Covenant waited 20 years in Kirith Jerim. Jerusalem waited 20 years between capture and, 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 and deliverance, or excuse me, destruction. And 70, so, so 20 is the number of, of, of that. Now 17 is the number of overcoming the enemy or complete victory. It comes from two numbers being put together. 10 plus 7 is what makes the number 17. It testifies to God's perfect overcoming of Satan. That's what 17 means. The perfect overcoming of Satan. And I believe it's time for the church to rise up. Somebody say amen. In completeness and overcoming Satan. I believe there's something to that. I don't understand it all. It's in the divine mind of God. But I can look at it and study it and understand it that God wants us to overcome Satan. Amen. There's a new king rising. He's been risen, but I want to preach to you about him this morning. And I want to look again at our text just for a moment. The Lord said to my Lord, sit at my right hand till I make your enemies your footstool. The Lord shall send the rod of your strength. Everybody say your strength. Out of Zion. Rule in the midst of your enemies. So this is speaking of a new king that's rising to enthrone himself and to establish the kingdom of God. In the book of Luke, Jesus declares himself to be that new king. He says, I'm that new king, and I'm the one that David spoke of. And he wrote, he's quoted this word out of Luke 20. Now David himself said in the book of Psalms, the Lord said to my Lord, sit at my right hand till I make your enemies your footstool. So he quoted that text out of Psalms that David said. And he was establishing himself to be that king. Now we get to Paul, and Paul in the New Testament also speaks of Jesus as being that new king. In Acts 2, verse 34, it says, For David did not ascend into the heavens, but he says himself, The Lord said to my Lord, sit at my right hand till I make your enemies your footstool. Therefore, let all the house of Israel know assuredly that God has made, everybody say has made, this Jesus whom you crucified, both Lord and Christ. So Paul is saying that this is the very one that David spoke about. He's the one that now rules on the earth and he has set up a new kingdom. Jesus himself said through the, uh, through the uh, book of Luke that he was that king. Now, Psalms, our text also says this. It says, from the womb of the morning. In other words, he says, there's a birthing of a new day. There's a womb of a new day. It's a new day. We're going to bring forth a new season. I'm that king, and I'm going to bring forth a new season. David prophesies and says, and he shall be like the light of the morning when the sun rises. The sun rises on a new day. There's a new light coming and a new day, and I'm that king. And I'm rising on that day. In Revelations 22 it says, I, Jesus, have sent my angel to testify to you these things in the churches. I am the root. I'm the offspring of David. I'm the bright. And I'm the morning star. So Jesus says to us, the book of Revelation, excuse me, says to us, 
that Jesus is the day star. He's the one that rules in this new day. He sets himself up as king to establish this kingdom in the new day. He's the morning star. He's the one that's going to break through, come out of darkness and into light. He's the one that's going to do this. And our text it says that he will, he said to my Lord, sit at my right hand till I make your enemies your footstool. A footstool is what the kings would use when they conquered another king. They would bring him after they drug him through the streets. They would bring him into the courtroom. They would establish a footstool or a bench, if you will. They would make the king put his head down on that footstool. And then that king would put his foot on their neck. It was a sign of, I have dominion. I have conquered you. I have defeated you. And I now rule. Jesus says, that's what I'm going to do to the devil. That's what I'm going to do to darkness. Amen, somebody. I'm going to establish a new day. And then the Bible says, the Lord shall send the rod of your strength out of Zion. The rod of strength out of Zion. This is symbolic. Jesus is saying, my strength is going to come through Zion. Zion is my church. My strength is going to be established in the earth through my church. Oh, somebody say amen. The church is empowered by the new king. The new king says, I have put my foot on Satan's neck. I have destroyed him. I have defeated him. I have conquered him. Now, my church, I release my rod of power, my rod of anointing to my church. And now my church will now rule in my place. In the kingdoms of the earth, wherever they go, they have now my power, my authority, my rod, my, my strength is theirs. Somebody ought to say amen. He's talking about you right there. Philippians 2 says that you may become blameless, harmless, children of God without fault in the midst of a crooked and a perverse generation among whom you will shine as lights in the world. So the church, he's talking to us now, we're supposed to live our lives blameless. We're supposed to live our lives harmless. And yet we're to shine as a light into a perverse and darkened region and shine and bring forth God's glory, God's grace, God's power, God's love, God's rule. I'm preaching better than you're amening right now. The Baptists are starting their engines. I'm going to start picking on the Presbyterians. (laughs) I'm just teasing. Jesus' ministry on earth was blameless. His ministry on earth was harmless, but at the same time it was powerful. It was shining. It was like a light into darkness. It was like lightning that threshed across the earth. His ministry has now been extended into his church, into you and I, into family worship center, into churches in the earth. Everybody say amen. Victory does not mean there's a lack of adversity. But it means that there's an inner strength inside of us now that we can rule in the midst of our enemies. We can rule in the midst of our enemies. Sometimes we may feel like giving up, but we know that we can reach out, grab a hold of the rod of authority, and his strength can give us a renewed strength to stand in the midst of a perverse time. Defeat is not an option for you and I. I am bigger than my enemies. Look at your neighbor. Say, I'm bigger than my enemies. My enemies are God's enemies. 
So let God arise, the Bible says in Psalm 68. And let my enemies be scattered. He's talking to you. He's saying that when your enemy possesses or comes against you, you can arise from within. Amen. And you can grab a hold of an authority of a king who's put his foot on a devil's neck. And you can allow that strength to come through you and cause your enemy to scatter the same way his enemy scatters. Somebody say we're a kingdom people. First Peter 2 says it this way. You're a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, his own special people. I always like King James. You're a peculiar bunch. Uncommon. Somebody say uncommon. That you may proclaim the praises of him who called you out of darkness and into his marvelous light. We are an uncommon people. We walk with an uncommon favor. We have an uncommon strength. We have an uncommon anointing that comes on our lives. Even when we don't understand it, it's there to work on our behalf. We are a redeemed people. We are not righteous because of what we do. We're righteous because of what he did. We walk in that authority. We are a kingdom people. We are a strong people. We function in a kingdom of God's favor upon us. Our favor does not come from this world. Our favor comes from another world. From heaven above. It comes to us through the Holy Spirit. Man lost his rulership at the fall. But Jesus Christ came back and redeemed that rulership. Now that rulership rests and resides in us. And God empowers us to rise above our enemies. Somebody say amen. We are a church that's rising. We're a church that's been empowered. We have power over flesh. We have power over the devil. And since I'm redeemed, I have a capacity now to live victoriously in the midst of the world's worst things that could happen. I can still live in victory. The closer I get to God, the more my capacity increases. When I first gave my life to the Lord, I could pray three minutes. You missed it, that's all right. I prayed everything I knew in three minutes. But the longer I've been with God, I've got to a place where I can pray an hour and not know that it happened. Your capacity increases. When I first got saved, I'd sing the first song and sit down because I was done. I was full to the top and just waiting for him to get on with the preaching. But now I can worship for hours because I love my God and my capacity has enlarged. And I don't need a sermonette anymore. I need a message from heaven. Somebody say amen. Everything about us is connected to the fact that we are connected to the kingdom. The church is rising because we step into the presence of the Holy Spirit who enlarges our capacity to rise above any enemy or any foe that comes against us. Luke, or excuse me, Acts 1.8 says, you're going to receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. You're going to be witnesses to me in Beckley, Fayetteville, every holler you can find, and then to the uttermost ends of the earth. Read it. It's in Acts 1.8. It's in there. You won't believe it. Through the Holy Spirit, we receive power in our lives to live victorious. Somebody shout Hallelujah. We have an uncommon kingdom power. Matthew eleven twelve says, And from the days of John the Baptist till now, the kingdom of heaven suffers violence. And the violent do what? 
Say it again. One more time. We're supposed to take it by force. That doesn't say sit back and wait for it to come to you. It says take it by force. Force means to penetrate. It means to press into the darkness. To say, devil, you're not doing that no more. I'm not going to sit back and pray around. I'm going to come after you. I'm going to pray right down your throat. Listen, I've, I've seen Christians sit around for years, broke, busted, and disgusted. I'm tired of living like that. That ain't the Christianity God called us to. God called us to rise up and rule with a rod of authority and power. Somebody say amen. God says take it by force. Recognize that there's a spiritual power all about you. You are in a throne room. You are in the power of heaven. And you operate from that place. My key to victory is understanding what's happening around me. And it isn't looking at Trump. It isn't looking at the Democrats or the Republicans. It's looking at heaven that's all around me. You've got to learn how to experience a power shift. If you're not careful, your power shift will be CNN and you'll be all messed up. Amen. If you're not careful, you'll be listening to the news, which isn't even the news. Then quit calling it the news and call it a lie. Amen. About half the time. Somebody say amen. Jesus gives us an illustration in Matthew 11. I won't read it today. But it's about children who are playing in the marketplace. And they're just being children. They're playing in the marketplace while their parents are buying and selling all the different goods. And Jesus interprets it that they were interested only in playing. All the children wanted to do was to play. They were not aware of what was happening around them. They didn't understand the dynamics of the marketplace they were in. They were simply playing. And so he said they don't care what's going on, they just want to play. And he's saying to you and I today that somewhere in our lives we've got to quit playing games like a child. You can't just go into a church and sit there as a spectator. Ouch, 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 okay. Did you suck it up, suck it up. I'll move on a little bit more. You can't just play through life. Kingdom activity is all around you. There's spiritual darkness warring in the city of Beckley. There's heaven is warring in the city of Beckley. There's a battle that's going on. There's things happening around us. There's kingdom activity all around us. Jesus said, I don't want you to play like children in the market. I want you to pay attention. I want you to realize that you're, 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 you're making an exchange for the souls of men. You're making an exchange for life or death. Your words are going to release life or death. You need to be careful what you say when you're going through life because you are not children anymore. You're operating in power and divinity and, and, and the divine power of God. You are a rod of his authority. And what you say takes, takes place like in the courts of heaven. So you might just be going down to cookout, but God's working on that little teller behind that, that cash register. And your words can make life or death there. Everybody else is ordering a hamburger. And so are you, but you're on kingdom business. Amen. Jesus did not come to train us. Jesus came to transform us. The enemy will come after us because Christ lives in us. But defeat is not an option for you and I. Kingdom power is moving all around us. 
We have to become aware of what's going on. We can't continue just going through life as children. We read our Bibles, but we never take those texts and apply them to actual living it out. We read them for head knowledge rather than for life experience. Oh, people could quote all day long scriptures, but they've never led one person to the Lord on the streets. They prayed for a few at the altar, but never out on the streets. That's the marketplace. You got to quit playing like children out there. Oh, come on. Amen. I must have got a little too close. Let me back up. The Bible says we're to press in to the kingdom. Luke 16, 16 says, the law and the prophets were up until John, John the Baptist. Since that time, since John the Baptist, that's when it stopped. That's when the law stopped. That's when all that other stuff stopped. The kingdom of God is now preached and everyone is pressing into it. The kingdom of God is now preached and everyone is pressing into it. They're advancing the kingdom. That's what it means to press into it, to advance it. So how do you advance the kingdom? You preach the kingdom. Somebody say you preach it. So if I'm up here and I preach the kingdom to you and you do not respond to that message, you did not respond to the rule of the kingdom. You no longer have responded to the fact that Christ has his foot on the neck of the enemy. Because you did not respond to that fact, you did not respond to the kingdom message that was preached to you, you didn't press in. And if you don't press in, then the rule that God would have gave you will not work for you out there. So you pray and people don't get healed. Because there's no rule inside of your spirit. You got a lot of head knowledge, you can tell me all about the Bible, but you're not seeing it manifest. That's the state of the Christian world today. We know that God heals, we know that God does the miraculous, but we never see it. Very seldom. Somewhere, we've got to hear the kingdom message and press into it. Somebody say amen, help me preach. You, you, you can, when you press into it, then you step into the rule of it. And now I can walk into the situations of my life or the circumstances of my life and I can take dominion over those circumstances because I'm operating not in my power but in His. I'm operating in His rule. I am the rod of the church. I'm the power of God. God's favor works on my behalf now. It does not mean I don't have struggles. Joseph had struggles. Joseph was sold into slavery. Joseph was taken to foreign lands. Joseph was abandoned. Joseph was lied on. But God's favor never left him. Somebody say amen. They treated him like a slave, but he was a prince. Just because you're treated one way does not mean that you're that way. Just because somebody abuses you doesn't mean that you are a victim. You have to learn to press into not the slave things, but the prince things. You have to learn to press into the kingdom things when the devil's trying to put you into other things. He'll try to put you into sickness. He'll try to put you into poverty. He'll try to put you into those things. But you've got to learn to press in. You've got to hear the preaching of the kingdom. You've got to say, my God is not incremental. My God is abundance. And I'm going to press into that. If you have a dream, how many of you have a dream? A dream without a fight is an illusion. 
A dream without a fight is an illusion. You've got to keep fighting for your dream or it will just become illusion to you. And you'll think it was parts dry out on some place and you saw an oasis out there and it was just an illusion. You'll begin to believe your dream was an illusion. But if you'll press into it, there's a promise on the other side. Somebody say amen. God gives us promises. Is that right? The promises of God are in the Bible. What is a promise? A promise is God's intention for your life. That's what he intends to do for you. That's what he wants you to have. So a promise that God makes, how many of you know God keeps? So God has a promise or an intention for our lives. But if we press into those, he'll keep those promises. If we don't, the promise sits there waiting for us. My, uh, you, you, your, your wife could cook you a nice, nice taco dinner today. Hint, hint, hint. But if, it's, if I don't go home, the tacos will get cold. If I don't go home pretty soon, the tacos will go in the refrigerator. If I don't go home pretty soon after that, they're going in the dumpster. And when I get home, I will join them in the dumpster. Right? So you have to press in to where the promise is at. God's promises are for me. And those promises are the same promises the Bible says that God gave to Abraham. Listen, Galatians 3. That the blessing of Abraham might come upon the Gentiles, that's us, in Christ Jesus. That we might receive the promise of the Spirit. What were those promises? The promise of salvation. The promise of prosperity. The promise of health. The promise of that God is always more than enough. Look at your neighbor and say, God's more than enough. That's his intention for you. That's what he intends for you to experience. More than enough. That's what God, but you have to press into that. So God's announcement to Abraham, he says, is the same announcement he gives to every person that's accepted Jesus Christ. Amen. We cannot just listen to what the media wants us to hear. We have to listen to what God's kingdom says to us to hear. We press into the kingdom preaching. Preaching may sound like foolishness to the world, but it's God's intention for our lives. So we press into that. We don't play like children around it anymore. We do kingdom business. We hear the word. We receive the word. And we press into the word. And when we do, we put our foot right on the enemy's neck just like Jesus did. We step into prosperity. We step into a more than enough. We step into the power of God. We step into his kingdom. Amen. Somebody say amen. The first way to press into the kingdom is hear kingdom preaching. Amen. There's going to be some struggles. I don't want to fake you out here today. You are going to fight some struggles. Acts 14.22 says, Strengthening the souls of the disciples, exhorting them to continue in the faith, saying we must, everybody say must, must. through many tribulations, enter the kingdom of God. In other words, the devil's not going to let you waltz out of darkness and into the kingdom without a fight. He's going to try to block you from getting into the intentions and the promises of God. So you have to hear the word and press into that word. It's a high pressure situation, but we didn't come to stay. We've come to go through the pressure and out into the promise. Amen.
Many times I'm conscious of God. I'll know that God's in my, in my midst. He'll stir me in the night or stir me in the day or a thought will come to me of His Word. And I'll recognize He's there. But if I'm not careful, all I did was recognize His consciousness. I felt the goosebump. Woohoo! Thank you, Jesus. And that's all I do with it. That's all I do with it. What I'm supposed to do is press into that. Because God is wanting to make war through me. Oh, you missed it. The other day, God laid a word on my heart about healing. And I said, God, I want to see healing. I mean, I want to see healing, but I want to see somebody that's sick and see them healed. I want to see the way you see. Now, that was a nice word, but I got to press into it. I got to press into it. The only way I can press into it is get sick people in front of me. So if I don't call for sick people to pray for them, I'll never see that. All I'll do is wish for it, and pretty soon my dream will become an illusion, and I won't believe God heals no more. But if I get sick people in front of me, and I press into it, and I pray on them, eventually I'm going to start to see them get healed. Because the rod of authority starts to work in me. Same with casting out devils. Same with anything else. We can't just be conscious of it. we got to press into it. we got to say, God, let your kingdom arise in me. Let your authority arise in me. You said that your rod of strength would come through me. I'm part of the church. Somebody say amen. We have an ability to stand. The Bible says it this way. Therefore, whoever hears these sayings of mine, are you hearing a saying of his today? And does them. You got to do it. You got to press into it. I will liken him to a wise man who built his house on the rock. The rain descends, the floods come, the wind blows and beats on that house, but it will not fall for it was founded on the rock. But whoever hears these things of mine and does not do them, just thinks about them, contemplates them, good word goes out and eats with the Baptist, at the Presbyterians. You're a foolish man who's built your house on the sand. And the rain will descend, the floods will come, the wind will blow, and that house will fall, and great will the fall be of that house. So when my soul, listen, when your soul is attacked by the devil, he attacks your soul. You went to bed saved and you woke up backslid. You don't even know how it happened. You started the day loving your husband, but by the evening, you're ready to scratch his eyes out. You don't even know how it happened. Somebody said, oh yeah, I do. It was him. <laughs> you cannot accept that as God's will. That's not God's will for your marriage. It's not God's will for your money. It's not God's will for your health. So you have to take God's will, his intention, and press into it. Because heaven is up to something. Whenever you're in a fight, heaven is up to something. Let me say it again. Whenever you're in a fight, heaven is what? Up to something. God is making war through your hands. God is establishing his rule through you. Defeat is not part of God's will. Amen. So I press into it. I advance it. Are you getting something today? The third way I advance it is recognize that even though I'm seeing physical things around me, even though that it's, it's often a spiritual thing that's really happening, there are signs that I should learn to recognize that are not just physical, but there is spiritual resistance. Let me give you an example. First example is the lack of of spiritual desire somehow you get saved and you've been saved for five ten years 
When you first got saved, you was buying every Bible you could get. You was trying to learn all those translations. You was trying to get a strong concordance to understand the words. You was trying to figure out what that preacher was saying. You had an appetite. You were hungry for God. You prayed. You read your Bible. You worshipped. You loved the songs. You didn't care if they sang them through 15 times. You was into it. But after a while, if you're not careful, you lose that unction. You lose that spiritual discipline. You no longer have family times of devotion in the morning. You never sit down with your husband and wife and pray and read. You never do it. You just don't do it. You know you should. You know you ought to. You got the one the year through the Bible, Bible on the bookshelf. You got everything there to do it. We've given you soaps. We've given you everything to do it. But yet you don't do it. When you feel there's a lack of unction, I can tell you you're in a battle. Heaven's up to something. Right there is where you have to press in. You got to step into it. You know what? I don't feel like reading my Bible today, so I'm going to get out and read twice. Press into it. I'm not reading my five minutes. I'm reading my 15 today, devil. You got to press into it. When you don't feel like praying is when you got to pray the most. Amen. Whenever it gets really, really, really bad and you just have no desire, go witnessing. Go find you somebody on the street and just start telling them about Jesus. It'll change your world. I got a friend that whenever he gets in trouble, he goes to the shooting alleys. I don't know if you, that's where they shoot up heroin in, in downtown L.A. He goes right down there, sits down next to people that are fornicating and shooting heroin, sits on the sidewalk next to him and starts witnessing to him while they're doing it. By the time he comes out, he'll, have his, his, he'll take a van, a church van with him. He'll have three or four of them in that van heading back to the church. He's got them in there. Amen. And it changes his whole demeanor. It changes his spirit. First thing you'll notice when you're in a battle is that you lose the desire to pray, to study, to read. The second thing, you'll lose your strength. You just lose your strength. You, you grow weary in the fight. You begin to feel overwhelmed. You begin to say, what's the use? What's the use? I don't care about this no more anyway. It could be a sign that there's a spiritual battle going on. Don't let Satan wear you out. Amen. You say, it's not Satan, it's my husband. No, it's not, it's Satan. It's not your wife, it's not your kids, it could be your dog. It's Satan. Somebody say, it's Satan. The Bible says, if you have run with the footmen and they've wearied you, how will you ever contend when the horsemen get there? You must allow God to arise. When the devil comes to you and you start to feel weary you got to just go right back to that footstool put your foot on the devil's neck and say you know what i'm sick and tired of this i will pick up this rod today and i'm going to advance against you i'm not going to allow this to happen to me i will let god arise in me i am a peculiar person i'm uncommon i have the favor of god i have the strength of god i have the love of god i have the grace of god and i've got the mercy of god and i've got his power and I'm coming right at you. Another sign is the lack of resources. Amen. Has anybody ever experienced that? You haven't been careless. You've budgeted well. You've done everything you know to do. But it seems like your pockets have holes in them. Could be a sign of a spiritual battle. Could be a sign that heaven is up to something. Now people always say, all the church wants is your money. They blame everything on the church for the money. But I challenge you, 
Go to any store in town and take something and don't give them money. And find out if they don't also want your money. You're going to find out Kroger, Starbucks, everybody wants your money, my friend, not just the church. Amen. It's only in the church where we challenge, what did you do with my money? Only in the church. You never challenge, have you ever gone to Starbucks, what did you do with my money? You never challenge Starbucks, you don't challenge Kohl's, you don't challenge Walmart. But some inside of you will challenge a church. That's a spiritual battle. That's something going on there. Amen. Somebody say amen. Amen. It's not God's will for you to be in lack. It's a spirit. A spirit of lack. It attaches itself to us. We are part of God's kingdom. Somebody say that lack has got to get off me. Here's what Deuteronomy 8 says. You shall remember the Lord your God. That means remember his preaching. Remember those messages. Remember that. Remember that you're not... A spirit of lack. Remember that. For it is he who gives power. There's that rod of authority. You have the rod. You can step into prosperity. You can push into abundance to get wealth. That he may establish his covenant, which he swore to who? Abraham, David, all those things we've already read. He swore it to them. He said, if you and I, the people, the Gentiles that are of Jesus Christ, will press in, those same things can be ours this day. And these blessings shall come upon you. Not only come on you, they're going to overtake you. Because you obey the voice of the Lord your God. That means I'm walking down the street, paying my own little attention. And God runs up beside, behind me with abundance and just jumps on me. I'm just not doing nothing and somebody comes by and just blesses me. Amen. You've been in lack so long it's hard to believe it. We went down there and did this wedding. And now I know that they just rented the place, but somebody owns the place. I'm in this house with these guys where we're going to do this wedding. $10 million home. And they're lined up down the beach. $10 million, $15 million, $10 million. And somehow they got my number. I don't know how they even do that stuff. But now I'm getting texts from some real estate agency in Destin, Florida. And they found a favorite little house for me. It's not on the water. Oh, bummer. It's on a golf course, though. $4.75 million, and it can be mine. A great price. Listen, listen to me. People, there's a lot of money out there. And there's people that could walk up behind you and bless you, and God could bless your business. And God could bless you with abundance. And he says he will command, command. Everybody say command. He will command blessings to come on me, but not if I'm sitting around waiting for it. i got to put my foot on the devil's neck i got to press into it. i got to believe for it. i got to pray. i got to read. i got to study. i got to press in. If I don't do that, then he doesn't command. But if I do, it says this. The Lord will command the blessings on you and your storehouses. That means your businesses. God will command your coal mine to get more than anybody else's. Or the people to buy yours, whatever it takes. And in all to which you set your hand... He will bless you in the land which the Lord your God is giving you. I believe God has given us Beckley. Amen. I believe that. I believe God has given us this region. Somebody shout amen. That's a good place right there to agree with God's word. 
That's not my word. It's his word. He said he'll give it to you. I'm just telling you what he said. I'm just the messenger. God's economy is not in recession. I pay my tithe to unlock the door. I sow a seed and God makes that seed grow. So I have to make choices with my finances to allow me to step into kingdom giving. If I spend all my money and don't have nothing to give God, I can't expect nothing in return. But if I make choices back here and I quit buying everything I want and only buy what I need, I've talked to several wealthy people. We're talking wealthy people. You know what all of them told me the first rule of thumb is? Take seven years of your life and don't buy anything that you want. Only what you need. Save the rest. And in seven years from now, your storehouses will be full. Quit buying everything you want. You just want that cookout shake. Take that money and put it in a savings account. Everything you want, put in a savings account. Everything you need, you buy. And see what happens. God is not in recession. Amen. God never, never stops giving and commanding giving to those that give to him. So what I have to learn is when I'm in good times, when the mines are running, while I'm in the good time, I have to invest myself so that when I'm in the bad time, I have something to give to God. Because if I'm not careful, what I'll do is I'll just have a great time in the good times. I'll buy my jet skis, my ATVs, all my stuff in the good times. And when the bad time comes, I try to give a little bit here. Oh, God, please help me. Oh, God, please multiply this $5. God, make it 50000 please, in Jesus' name. No, you don't invest in the bad times always. You have to invest in the good times. It's how you steward the good times. Joseph, in the years of seven years of plenty, stewarded the seven years. And when the seven years of bad came, he had something. Okay, are you listening to me? The key to victory is to understand what's going on around you. Right now, God has opened the minds up again. Right now, there's a prosperity starting to happen. This is the time to steward. This is the time to pay attention. You can't pay attention when you're poor. When you're broke, busted, disgusted, you're just trying to feed the babies. But right now, you can pay attention. You can start investing into storehouses. You can start buying uh, only what you, you, you need, not what you want. You can start considering how you do business. Now, I want you to listen to what I'm going to say. I'm going to put it on the board right here. Put it up there, the next thing. The enemies increased intense agitation and aggression against you is not a reflection of his concern about your past it's his it's his understanding that there's a revelation of a dynamic fulfillment of kingdom destiny in your future the devil is fighting you today because of your future not your past somebody say amen you going through a battle Rise up. Rise up. Put your foot on the devil's neck. Rise up. Press in. Press into the kingdom. Somebody hear what I'm saying? There's a divine exchange happening right now. Right now in West Virginia, there's a divine exchange happening. You're not listening to me yet. We went to Virginia. We got away for a couple of days. Everybody's talking about West Virginia. It's just a strange thing. 
They find out we're from West Virginia and they start talking. You know what? God is going to take this thing and flip the bicky on them. Kingdom activity is happening now all around us. Don't just go to work as normal. Don't just live your little Christian life as normal. Come on Sunday and, well, Wednesday I'm just too tired. Press in. Press in. The church is rising. We are an uncommon people with an uncommon favor. We can rule. We can, somebody say amen, I'll let you get out of here. We can rule. God's enemies are our enemies. We can put our foot right on their neck. We are kingdom people. There is an uncommon favor preparing to plunder hell. Amen, somebody. Something very big is on the way into your world. And the enemy senses it. And he has no power to prevent it. Only thing that will prevent what's coming to you is he'll throw a roadblock to detour you. He'll put something in your way to get you distracted, get you looking over here, get you looking over there. Don't allow it. You press right now. This is not a season to accept delay or retreat. Do not accept discouragement right now. Do not accept discouragement right now. In your work, your houses, in your homes, your children. This is a season of acceleration. This is a season of breakthrough. So set your minds into agreement with God's purpose, with God's plan, with God's intention for your life. Set your mind into agreement with that. Listen to the words that God's kingdom ministers through preaching to you. Take those words and press into them. Don't just hear them. Step into them. Don't just have a conscious fleeting thing go by. I tell my wife all the time, I guess it's I'm getting older. God will give me a thought. If I don't write it down, I forget it. The reason God gave me the thought was because I was supposed to press into it. So I need to write those thoughts down and in my prayer and in my study, press into those thoughts. Press into those thoughts. I had a thought the other day about Israel. Somehow this North Korea thing is going to turn up with Israel involved in it. I don't know how, but God gave me that thought. Somehow it's going to come back to Israel because all the kings of the east are one day going to march on Israel. Somehow this thing's going to twist around. So I need to be praying right now for the nation of Israel. I need to be pressing in right now and aligning myself with God's purposes in the end time. Not with the world's purposes. Not anybody. I don't care what China, Trump, nobody else do. I care about what God is doing. And if I will align myself and press in when God gives me revelation, not just hear it, not just think about it, not just, oh, God, help them. If I'll press in, God will cause that rule to happen inside of me. And then I can rule with the same authority that Netanyahu does. He's no better than I am. I have the same spirit he could have. I don't know if he has it or not, but I have it. Acts says I have it. He says the Holy Spirit lives in me. Is that right? So you got to press in. You hearing me? Look at your neighbor. Say you got to press in. You got to press in. You can't just mess around with it. You can't be a child no more. You can't play games right now. This is the moment to steward your actions. This is the moment to steward what you're doing as a church. Amen. Make time to press into the kingdom. Listen, when I was a young disciple, I'm going to quit with this. I really am. The toilet would plug up and I was the first guy to volunteer. Why? Because I like toilets? 
Because I like to dig when it's ice cold down seven foot and find some something stuck in a pipe. No, because I wanted to know my God. I wanted to be a part of whatever he was doing. If he was in that church and going to save people in that church, I wanted to be a part of that. So I made time. I worked 16 hours a day pouring concrete. Hard labor, my friend. We did hard labor back then, but it didn't matter to me. I wanted to press into the kingdom. I'd be at church every morning, 5 o'clock for prayer. I was there for years, for years. One time in Osha, we'd have two and 3,000 people in the morning at 6 o'clock in the morning praying. You know why they prayed? Because the preacher did. We was pressing in. We was pressing in because we wanted his favor in our lives. We wanted to wrap around us. We wanted to put our foot on the enemy's throat. Somebody shout Amen press in there's opportunities all over this church you heard some today you can become a greeter we need help just taking care of the yard out here uh, you don't have to have strength you don't have to run a weed eater you can squirt the I'll give you some stuff squirt weeds walk around I kill you in Jesus name squirt weeds cast the devil out of that weed I cast the devil out of you all the way to your roots are gonna die <laughs> amen you can pick up that garbage bag and walk it out there. I know it's hard, but you can drag it across that goal. Throw it in that bin. You can't get in the bin. You call us. We'll throw it in the bin for you. Just drag it over there. And while you're dragging it, drag the devil. I'm dragging you in Jesus' name. Press in. Press in. Amen. It's not a time to sit back and think about it. It's a time to do it. Build your house on the rock now. Now. West Virginia's coming to a good time. Now. Now. Don't look for excuses. Well, I just don't like the way they sang that song. Would you quit that and start pressing in to something that's important? Sound is not important. Five years from now, we'll have a whole new sound. It might be bluegrass. It might be screamo. Pray to God it's not screamo. <laughs> I can't even understand that stuff. Whatever it is, we're fishing. We're fishing. That's all we're doing. We're trying to catch fish. We're pressing in. We're pressing in. We get discouraged. We quit reading our Bibles. We quit giving. We quit. Don't do that. Press in. Lay up for the good season. Now, Father, in the name of Jesus, I thank you for this great church. I thank you that we are a people that we will press into your message, your word. Lord, we're not doing it just for numbers in the house. We appreciate numbers because they represent people. But we're doing it for your glory in the house. That blue fog that the bishop talked about that came in and healed everybody. God, let that happen here. We don't care if it's blue, yellow, pink, or purple, don't it? We don't care. Just come here. Come here, Lord. Touch lives. Heal people. Let us see the supernatural with our own eyes. We don't want to preach about it. We want to experience it. We want to activate it. Amen. Our heads are bowed. Our eyes are closed. Just in reverence to God. Just for a moment. You've come in here today. And your first step to pressing in is just to say, Jesus, I want to step into those promises you made to Abraham and David through Christ for me. I want to be part of that. I want that salvation. I want that touch in my life. I got a lot of things going on, Lord. I can't figure all those things out. I just want you to step into my life. I will step into you, and you step into me. If that's your prayer, I want you to lift your hand up high. 
so I can pray for you. I see this hand. I see this hand. I see this hand. I see this hand. Others, I see this hand. I see this hand. God bless you. I see this hand. Hallelujah. See this hand. I want everybody that raised their hand just right now without thinking, get up and come down here. Come right now. There's people here to pray for you. If you don't want to pray for with them, just kneel down. You don't have to pray with them if you don't want to. Just come down here. They can pray with you or they don't have to. Just come. Press in. Press in right now. Get up out of your seats. Come on. You raise your hands in the back. Don't be ashamed now. Don't be ashamed now. Press in. Don't be a hearer. Be a doer. Come on. The altars are open. You raise your hands. Many of you raise your hands. Come on. This is your moment. God bless you. Come on. I don't care what anybody thinks about you. I care about what heaven thinks about you. Come on. Right now, just come on. Let's everybody stand. As they stand, just step out. Just step out. Come on, everybody stand. Just step out. Come on down here. We're here waiting on you. We love you. God loves you. God bless you for coming. There's more of you in the back. Come on. This is your moment. Come on. I don't care. I don't care if you've been here before. It doesn't matter. Come on. Come on. Come on, church. Give a hand as they come. Come on. Come on. This is your moment. Come on. I'm waiting on you. You're uncomfortable because the devil's warring for you. That's a war inside. Break it. Break it. Step on him. Come on. Hallelujah. Come on. Let's just sing a song for a minute. We're going to wait just a moment more. God's still warring for somebody. God's still warring for somebody. I want you to press in right now and come down and stand across the front. Real quick, right now. Come on, all of you. Come on. Right now, just stand here for your business. Stand here for your family. Stand here for your friends. Come in. I want to press in. Come on, press in. Come on, right now. Come on. Come on. We're going to sing a song. We're going to press in together, and then we're going to be dismissed. But come on, right now. This is the moment. Don't wait till later. Now. Now is the moment. Come press in with us. Come on, press in. King Jesus.
There are businessmen and women in here that right now you're in a business transaction that's kind of squirrely, kind of uneasy. In the name of Jesus, we put our foot upon the enemy's throats. We command the rule of God to arise in that circumstance and in that situation and in your business. Supernaturally, God is going to turn it around. God is going to cause business and increase and abundance to flow your direction. There will be struggles, there'll be contention, but you're the prince. You're the son, you're the daughter. They may try to say no, but God says yes. Jesus says yes and amen. His word to you is yes. He's going to turn it around. He's going to bless beyond what you've even dreamed. On paper it may look one way, but in heaven it looks another. And God has his hand in it right now, and he's turning it in Jesus' name. Let's give him a clap offering for it. Come on. Let's praise him for it right now. Every business person that you want that, accept it. Step into it. Step into it. The bank says no, but Jesus says, I own the bank. They think they own it, but I own it. God's going to move some banks on your behalf. God's going to move on people above the guy you're talking to to move on him to make him do what you're asking for and more. I can feel it. I feel it. God's going to change things around. In fact, I believe God's going to change nations to agree with our state. They're going to agree with our state, West Virginia, and God's going to speak increase into our state. Somebody give the Lord a big praise. Hallelujah. My nephew was in the hospital on all those life support machines I told you about. They never did it before. He's in all the medical journals. Seven weeks he's been in there, and suddenly, everybody say suddenly. That's the God we serve. They got all those machines off of him. They say he'll be in there till December. We'll see about July 4th what God says. <laughs> Our God is able to restore, put muscles back. In the book of Ezekiel, he put muscle and sinew back together on bones. Amen. He can do it again. That's the same God we serve. Somebody shout hallelujah. Now, I don't know what you need to press into. Maybe it's your home. The devil's been fighting you at your home. Your mind is just like, you're, you know what? You're spending more time on disconnection than you are on connection. Shift it around and say, you know what? No more disconnect. I put my foot on disconnection. And I choose connection. Somebody in here, you're fighting for a health situation. The doctors are saying, you're going to do this, 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 and this. And God says, no, no, we're going to change that up. I'm the great physician. They're practicing physicians. Amen. We're not, we're not against our doctors. We're not against any of that. We just know a great physician. And even the doctors in this house know about him. Amen. We have medical doctors in this house that know that Jesus Christ is the healer. There are just some things you can't explain. I took a little girl into the hospital, 95% deaf in one ear, and the other ear didn't have an eardrum. I've got the reports in my office. I can show them to you. San Diego Children's Hospital. And you can look where the doctor says some things you just can't explain. He wrote on there, the pastor prayed, the spirit of infirmity to come out, and this girl has 100% and 100% in an ear that's not even there. 
I got the reports from Scripps San Diego Children's Hospital. Amen. I was on the television with Ron Reagan and, and uh, Madeline O'Hara. She's trying to tell me about UFOs. <laughs> True story. True story. And I broke out this little picture of a boy that had no bones in his foot. Born with no bones in his foot. Sounded like a 22 went off when we prayed. Pow! And everybody heard it. Mama took him back the next day in the x-ray with full bones in the foot. Cape Girardeau, Missouri. I got the x-rays. You can see it printed right on there from the doctors. Our God can still do miracles. I don't know about your blood count, but I know God got every one of them counted. Amen. He can shift stuff around. He can make sugar get out. He can make blood pressure go up or go down, whichever he needs to be. Somebody shout amen. I've known a lot of people that have steel rods in their back. Steel rods. And they bend and move with the rods in their back. God is able. That's the God we serve. I want you to grab somebody's hand right there where you're at. Grab somebody's hand right there. Somebody you're praying for has somebody they're praying for that has a health problem. Father, in the name of Jesus, we release health. We release your word like a Holy Ghost freight train to flood into those places and carry health. Carry health into their bodies, into their sugar counts, into their blood cells, into their cells, Lord. Every rebellious cell, every cell that's not operating the way God originally intended it to operate, we rebuke that cell and we release life into it. Death will no longer operate there, but life will operate there. Our God is a God of life. There will not be darkness within their system. There will be light. Light will flow. No suicide within their body. Their cells, their organs will not shut down, but they will live. They will live because our God's a living God. His word is a living word. Hallelujah, somebody. Amen. Now, whatever it is, whatever it is, I want you to give the Lord a big clap offering and take one step into it. Take one step into it. Come on, take a step into it. Hallelujah. We hope you've enjoyed this message from Family Worship Center. If our weekly sermons minister to you, consider partnering with us or giving a one-time donation. To give, visit cogfwc.org giving. Connect with us for all the latest news on services, events, and more by following us on Twitter and Facebook.